0: Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and with me in the Rabbit Hole studio today, she is an accomplished actor slash filmmaker. Her latest project is the feature film Ask for Jane, Miss Kate Cortlio. Welcome, Kate.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I can't believe I said your name right on the first <laughs> try. It was perfect. Because I live in Brooklyn, and it's Cortellu Street, uh-huh. Uh huh. but it's Cortleo yeah. is the name, got it. So when you see her on the street, kids, that's how you say her name. <laughs> so um, I want to definitely talk about the movie. I have not seen it yet, unfortunately, but I did see the trailer, which intrigued me, which is why I reached out to you. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about you, kind of get a sense of your background. So how did you get into acting and filmmaking, and like, what is your origin story? So to speak.
1: Well, it's funny because my origin story starts before I was born. Um, my mother saw a production on TV of Meryl Streep and Roald Julia doing Taming of the Shrew at the public theater, and that was when she fell in love with Shakespeare. So after she had me, and, and when I was about eight years old, she sort of exposed me to Shakespeare, and we watched Much Ado About Nothing with Emma Thompson, and I fell in love with it too, and I started acting then. So I was doing these workshops for Shakespeare plays from ages eight to 16, and then community theater, and I went to college for it. And then it was after college that I sort of veered away from theater and started doing more film and television work. And I was hungry to make something, and I wasn't sure what. And then I learned the story of the Jane Collective, which is what Ask for Jane is based on. And it felt like the universe telling me, this is the story. This is what you have to make. You have to make this film. And so this, it's, it's so my this, is, one. this is your first it's feature? It's my first feature.
0: Did you like write or produce shorts or anything like that?
1: I did a I did a web series that won some awards uh, okay. called A Lady's Guide to Making Conversation More Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: a great title. Um,
1: and and you know some small films with friends and things to promote theater productions, but nothing in any form close to this scale.
0: So let's get into the movie a little bit. So Ask for Jane, it's a great title. And uh, I was intrigued by it because I saw the trailer and I went... I didn't know anything about this whole thing. For those of uh, people who haven't seen the trailer, what is the film about? You said that you learned about this story, but like, what was the inspiration behind it? Kind of give me a little history, so to speak.
1: Sure, it's based on a true story of the Jane Collective, which was a group of women in Chicago in the late 1960s, and they formed a whole underground abortion referral service back before Roe versus Wade was passed. And the women eventually learned how to do the procedure themselves, and they helped over 11,000 women before Roe versus Wade was passed. I've been a feminist my whole life. I went to an all-women's college. I volunteer with Planned Parenthood. I'm the third generation of women in my family to do so. And I didn't learn about this group until three years ago. It was a documentary screening that I went to through New York Women in Film and Television. And it was just a doc about feminism and women's liberation. It was great, called She's Beautiful When She's Angry. And that was when I learned about it. And I thought, if I don't know about this group with all of my background, how many other people who should know about them don't? It's just another piece of women's history that keeps getting erased. So I just wanted to tell the story.
0: When I saw it, the first thing that grabbed me was the title Chicago, 1968. I was like, oh, this isn't like Mississippi or Alabama. This is in, you know, this is uh, in a northern state. And Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't know anything about it either, and I was, you know, I'm some of the history buff, like I, you know, I, I and I and I see movies like this, and, and I'm like, well, how come I didn't know about this either? But it's it's an intriguing story. It's like something you don't hear about every day, and I wanted to kind of talk to you about sort of the challenges of making this because it's this an independent film, mm-hmm. and you know independent films are not easy to begin with and getting greenlit for something like this is probably harder like first of all just coming up with a story you said that you commissioned a writer but you kind of came up with a story you know in writing something like this or developing this project you're dealing with some tough subject matter and Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like how do you make a movie like this entertaining because all movies must entertain like they can't just be history lessons or book reports because you know nobody want to go see them what was kind of the approach or what was the angle that said you know what this is a movie, it's not just an essay or, you know, something like that.
1: So a couple of things. One of the interesting things about the Jane Collective was that they weren't operating from any political motive, really. It was just they saw that women were dying because they didn't have access to this kind of care, and so they wanted to help them. That was the whole impetus for what they were doing. So that was a big factor in the story that we wanted to tell. And I also was coming at it from a place of just, I want to tell this story. I also didn't think it was going to be so political, because it was 2016 it was before the election and i just thought it would be a piece of women's history that's important to be shared
0: (laughs) yeah well you know now it's 2019 Mm -hmm. and uh this material is incredibly relevant Mm -hmm. because it kind of gives you a glimpse into what life could be like and there's a lot of laws passing and i don't want to get into that stuff because that's not what this show is about Mm -hmm. but here's my question so the the jane collective this is not is it, it's not based on specific people.
1: No, it's not. Okay. So it's it's really it's inspired by true events. Okay, um, so it's like
0: they're like an amalgam of the characters. Exactly, okay.
1: exactly. And we were really concerned about having levity in it. So it is a drama, but there's definitely points at which you can laugh. It's just humans being human. And I, I want to add that I, I had the initial idea f- the concept for this project and then I took it to Rachel Carey, who is the writer, and said, what do you think? Do you want to work on this? And she said yes. And she wrote the screenplay and she did a beautiful job and she took it far beyond – I had a little treatment and she took it so far beyond anything that I had.
0: I think uh, that um, seeing it that way and trying to get levity and stuff like that because there's a reason why indie film still exists, and I think this is part of it. Because if you were trying to get this greenlit through Warner Brothers, would mm. be like, hey, it's a 1968 drama about girls helping other girls get abortions. You know, we can put it up against the Avengers Endgame in the summer. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's going to be real hard to get this thing greenlit. But, you know, I think that the history part of it was intriguing. And it did seem like the approach was, like you said, you're a feminist, but it doesn't seem like a feminist movie. Like, it doesn't seem like it's a message film, more about like, hey, this is something that happened and this was people helping other people. Yeah, that's my hope. I yeah. don't I
1: don't really, it's just telling history. It's just a piece of history. And it, it's really, it's not hitting people over the head with it. It's just telling human stories, which I think have been sort of, not to be too political, but has sort of been erased from the conversation is just the individuals who are affected by policy.
0: Yeah. And I, I feel like, uh, you know, stuff like this is, you know, art reflects life, reflects history and so forth. I thought the whole concept was intriguing, and I th- I think it it was great that that happened to begin with. You know, I, I hope it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. But Me like, too. it is definitely one of those topics that when you, you mention it at parties, somebody's going to argue with you, and it's daring just to try to tell a story like this. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the other challenges of production and so forth, so aside from the subject matter, you've got the challenge of you making a period piece. You know, because it's 2019, this is 1968. so yep. it, You know, it's, it's a 50-year-old story. And like, how do you do that on an indie budget? Because, you know, the 60s, you got period cars, Mm -hmm. houses don't look the same, Mm -hmm. clothes don't look the same. You know, all of your art direction, set design, all that stuff has to go into there. And the look and the feel of the movie is different. You know, it's not a modern movie. Talk to me about that, just sort of like the, the making of the movie and like, how do you get you know, 1968 in in 2018 or whenever it was you filmed it?
1: Well, we got very lucky with locations, first of all. Um, Another member, so Rachel, the screenwriter, and I know each other through a theater company, The Shelter, and another member of the company has this historic house in Brooklyn in the Prospect Lefferts area, and he lent us his house to shoot in and then he had another house which was his childhood home where his mother lived so we had two houses still decorated from the era these beautiful historic so we shot in every room of those houses they were all different things they were dorm rooms they were bedrooms they were apartments they were doctor's offices we used every room in those houses
0: that's awesome it just goes (laughs) to show you two kids who are listening out there Make friends. It's oh, yeah. good to have friends when you're trying to do these things, especially when lo- locations are like the hardest thing ever. I mm-hmm. think to get in a film. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in the movie mm-hmm. as well. You're actually your character's not. People call for Jane, but your character is actually not Jane.
1: Yeah, uh, so there is no Jane. It's a code name.
0: Right. So who who do you play? Let's tell us a little bit about her.
1: Sure. Um, I play Rose. She's the lead of the film, which is, I mean, it's a very ensemble-driven film, but she's sort of the story that you first follow. And she is a student at the University of Chicago, and she wants to be a teacher. And she's a little timid, and she goes to meetings for Students for a Democratic Society, but she takes a back seat. She gets coffee for the men. Her roommate, Janice, who's played by Cody Horn, who's amazing, is much more of an activist and and really calls out the injustices that she sees and is trying to push Rose to be a little bit more active than she is. And then through the course of the film, Rose sort of realizes – she she sees this need, women dying, and wants to help them. And it's always just trying to help people and trying to do what she thinks is right. That's her motive. But through that, she becomes capable of so much more than she ever realized. And she becomes this total activist. And she – really loses a lot of things along the way, but her quest is ultimately to just help people, and she really succeeds at that.
0: But again, Rose is not a real person. She's sort of mm-hmm. an amalgam of these different people that were in this movement.
1: Yeah, the woman who actually started the Jane Collective is named Heather Booth, and she's always been an activist. She's she's incredible. She's a she's a firebrand. She uh, There's a doc coming out about her, and she's been very supportive of the film. She even came and spoke when we had our New York premiere at the Village East. And another member of the Jane Collective, Judith Arcana, was also instrumental in shaping the screenplay. She's been our consulting producer, has been on board almost the whole step of the way. So a lot of the stories in it are inspired by anecdotes that she shared with us.
0: That's really cool. So you you did have some... If you could there was a source that you could kind of go to and yeah. talk to people with this type of movie too so as I mentioned before maybe a little bit difficult to market to a mass audience mm-hmm. probably one of the challenges too is like if you're getting other people on board getting other so you were one of the producers in it and you're also acting in it so that's a challenge right there I imagine yeah. uh, cause you got to be two places at once but what was sort of the business plan for the film in terms of like wanting because you make a film like this and it definitely has a message to it you want to get it out to the world mm-hmm. but it's also one of those things where uh, maybe the audience feels like you're asking them to eat their vegetables? How do you kind of like put the right spin on it? How do you sell this movie kind of? And how are you guys getting it out in terms of distribution?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, we have a distributor. We're working with Level Film. I, I really, I saw this sort of educational. Like I saw it being shown in schools in my head when I was making it and, you know, high schools and colleges and something that people can have conversations around. But I wanted to make it a narrative film because I wanted it to be entertaining. I I don't want it to be medicine. I want it to be an exciting story. And I feel, for me at least, narrative film is the most interesting way to ingest history. Our plan was initially to just do VOD, just a streaming thing. And then it's because it's so unprecedentedly relevant we've had a whole theatrical release so we've been playing in cities all over the country in limited releases
0: but that came about only because of what's happening now
1: yeah it's really been i mean it's it's weird because it's it's you know it's great for the film but it's so horrible for our country and for women's rights but i i hope that this movie can spark conversation and maybe it's thinking ahead and and really optimistic, but I I would love it to help change policy because it's really just understanding where women are coming from who might seek an abortion and might need one.
0: There's been a lot of talk about this stuff now. And, uh, oh, my God, is it scary in certain states? And, you know, that's exactly what I, I was like. Did they like did somebody have a crystal ball when they made this movie? Like, were they thinking about what was happening now? Or is it, you know, are we just living in that time when we feel like we're we're going backward 15 years?
1: I mean, not to get super woo-woo, but I feel like it was a crystal ball because it really, it was like when I saw that doc, when I learned about the Jane Collective, it literally felt like a voice in my head, like the universe saying, this is your story, you need to tell this and you need to do it right now. There was no real reason for it to feel as urgent as it did, but it it did.
0: Yeah, usually a 50-year-old period piece is not something you got to make right now. I know, know? but Uh, I just,
1: I had this immense drive. I can't explain it.
0: I think that, I used to talk about in writing, like, there's there's sort of like a universal bank of ideas that we all pull from. And if you pull an idea down and you don't write it fast enough, somebody else will get it and write it. Yeah. And I, I think that's why you see, like, movies <laughs> in Hollywood where there's, like, one studio comes out with a movie and then they, another mov- movie comes out that's similar by another studio. It's either that or they're all stealing from each other, and I'm just being optimistic. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do feel like that you do get that urge of, like, yeah, this – I should be doing this now. Like there's a because there's probably like a million other things that you could have done sure. or other projects that you could have worked on that would be a lot easier than trying to produce your own film. Like you could have just gotten cast in somebody else's film.
1: And I actually turned down a couple different parts in things really? because I was busy working on this. But no, to your point, that's exactly what happened because there are now actually two competing projects. About the Jane Collective that were announced after we were already in production, so I don't know what's happening with them now, but we will always be the first narrative film about the Jane Collective.
0: There's there was probably something in the wind going on about what was happening politically, mm-hmm. and you know somebody had their ear to the ground. That's what somebody said oh, because you see that happen all the time where things are sort of happening in the zeitgeist. Oh yeah. And uh, and then you know there's a movie about it. Usually the movie is five years too late because it takes so long to make a movie. How long were you guys in terms of, like from your initial inception till fruition, until the movie was actually made, how long was that period?
1: Jason, it was so fast, actually. Really? It was. I had the idea for this film, I learned about the Janes in May of 2016, and then I was actively seeking financing in March of 2017, and we were shooting in July of 2017, and then this May, we opened in theaters wow. so almost so exactly 3 years from that, when i first had the idea
0: that's not bad for an indie film no it's in not indie years and like especially like documentaries there's almost like dog years you know like they, it's it like for a <laughs> doc it's like 7 years to 1 year for any other movie but yeah. you know for something like that that's actually that's a pretty quick turnaround but you know still it's like you got to go through all the processes and you know like how did how did you do stuff like raise the money for this you know, like How how was that process? Did you guys crowdfund? Did you in get investors? That type of thing?
1: It started as a, a crowdfund. We shot a trailer for a film that didn't exist yet. And I made a whole pitch deck, which was comprehensive, and it laid out our whole budget plan and the LLC information and everything. And then we tried to do a crowdfund, And I was like, everyone's going to give us one dollar and it's going to go viral and it's going to be amazing. And that didn't happen. (laughs) But in the process of that, I met a lot of interesting and helpful people. And I started taking meetings with investors and I met with Caroline Hirsch, who is the owner of Caroline's on Broadway, the comedy club. Mm. Which is funny because she's known for comedy, not for she's never produced a film before. She's never done this drama before, but she she's a feminist and she's is this powerful, amazing woman, and we ended up having this amazing hour-long talk about feminism and women's rights. And at the end, she said, "I want to produce," and we shook hands. You know,
0: that's another thing I always told people: like, if you if you want to make anything, you have to talk to people. You have to get you know you have, you got to build an alliance practically. I talked
1: to thousands of people.
0: Because making movies is like it's like a fight. It's like a war, you know. And you and it, and it takes a lot to to conquer that beast. The other thing I wanted to ask you too is obviously. So this is the first. This is your first feature film that you're producing, correct? Yeah. What did you learn doing this this process? And like (laughs) what would you tell some other poor mug who wants to start and make their own feature film or their first feature film?
1: I would say the biggest thing is to just really believe in yourself and the project that you have to tell and know why it has to be you and why it has to be now and why people should part of it. Because I, I think there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be people saying what you want to do is impossible and trying to put down your dreams. I had so many people who wanted to meet with me to just tell me it was impossible. And I'm like, why are you wasting my time? You have to know that it's right. And there's something to be said for some humility and, you know, learn from people who know more than you but ultimately know what you have to offer and don't let anyone tell you otherwise.
0: I think that I've told people this too, is like you have to start any project with why, like why, why this, why now, why do people need to see it? Why do I, why do I need to be the one to make it? Because the what and the how will follow suit. But if you don't have that like sort of internal reasoning of like, and the passion to do it, you're fighting an uphill battle. You know, a lot of the advice too on this show is like, I usually stick with like pragmatic advice, stuff that you could use on the set or stuff that you can use like, you know, people have talked about crowdfunding. People have talked about like, uh, uh, you know, how to get investors or, or how to work with people or how to find a director or whatever it is. And I tend to gear this show that way. But there is something to be said for inspiration. And I, but I've always said that, like, I'll, I'll take information over inspiration because you can be an inspired idiot. And not know what to do but obviously in this process you were learn you kind of learned as you go i would imagine oh yeah but you were i ab- still am yeah i mean it, it's so much to it and then once you've made the film then you got to go through distribution and all like that, and that's a whole other game that's got nothing to do with filmmaking mm-hmm. and you know i've heard uh feature film tell people say you know we got a sales agent and those people don't even like movies they just know they have to sell it. They, they like movies about as much as the guy at McDonald's selling hamburgers likes hamburgers mm-hmm. because it's their job. And they're, you know, they're not artists, they're not creative people, but this is oh, what they so do. Oh, that's
1: so cynical. I bet they love movies. Uh,
0: you know, uh, it's it, I. I, <laughs> cynical, I mean, I don't know them. <laughs> uh, it, cynical, yes, but also like a realistic picture and like being able to sell a movie by saying, hey, this is why this movie's going to sell. Not it's a great movie. Not it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, or it's the greatest thing since Lawrence of Arabia. Like this movie will sell because there's a market for it, and this is what the market is. Go sell that market. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that is you know nobody you don't teach that in film school. They sure as hell don't teach you that when you you know learn about acting or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But all that all that or like how to do the festival circuit, or you know, mm-hmm. did you guys start with a festival run first?
1: Mm-hmm, we did. Yeah, we played at a lot of festivals. Um, did
0: that help you kind of create a buzz for the film?
1: Yeah, I think it did. And my co-producer, Josh, who's one of the people I was saying learn from people who know more than you. Josh knows so much more than me. He's been doing this over a decade. He's great. I'd never want to make a movie without him. That's a good piece of advice.
0: Find somebody who knows more than you and Mm -hmm. work with
1: and he is a big advocate for continuing festivals even now as we're in theaters he was like this is still a relevant film that people in all of these small cities who want to like say say this little town in Missouri wants to do a screening yes of course we should do a screening there they might not hear about it if it's just on VOD.
0: Right, uh, and there is something about the, the theater experience that you can do, and people, I've had several people talk about, and I've seen several indie films, doing sort of like a road show with it, mm-hmm. where they like to take Bite the, Me is
1: a good example of that. Yeah,
0: um, I actually interviewed the director. She was uh, one of the second person on the show, Meredith Edwards, ah. uh, talked about that film here. And we had the guy who directed, uh, Princeton Holt, who directed 2050, and they did a similar model where they kind of took the film out on tour. They did Select Cities. They went out, they did Q and A's, and every time they showed up for a QA, the audience showed up. Like, it was an incentive to bring people. And it's a great model, especially for indie films, because man is it hard to get butts and seats anywhere. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and you know, we just covered the, the Soho Film Festival in June. People are doing the festival circuit, I think, to build buzz, to build audience. I don't know if people are getting distribution that way anymore. Did you guys pick up distribution through the festival circuit, or was that a whole other thing?
1: No, it was it was separate. And Napa Valley was interested in helping us secure distribution, but nothing really happened with it there. Although it was a fantastic festival, highly recommend everyone to go. But no, it was it was Josh went to the the film market and pitched it to distributors there, and we were between a couple who both seemed to be offering similar things and both seemed really strong. and We were excited about both and we were having trouble choosing and then one of them stepped up and said, we're also gonna do theatrical.
0: I think that's great. Uh, doing both. There's nothing wrong with doing both. There's no, nothing wrong with like getting it out there. And I feel like a lot of indie films are sort of relegated to the VOD market mm-hmm. when they don't have to be. And some people can actually, you can actually kind of make some money on the. It's. Just, I think it depends on the film and you know a, a lot of that stuff uh, to make your budget back and so forth. But I've seen people do both. I've seen people go straight VOD because like this is a VOD movie mm-hmm. or do the. Do the theatrical run plus VOD.
1: Well, the thinking too was having a theatrical release will help ultimately with VOD sales because when you're on the streaming platforms, usually there'll be a section at the top of theatrically released movies. So if you were there, you're already automatically at the top. And this is a weird little logistical thing, but it helps if your movie has a title that starts with the letter A.
0: Right, we're at the top find, of any list. I didn't think about that, but I'm I'm coming up with A titles for every movie I do since.
1: I know my next one is also an A title. Oh, really? It's not. It's, uh, it's, it's like, not you, unintentional. You
0: know, <laughs> it, they used to say that about the phone book when you had a business. You start you start with like a number or the letter A. This is when people had phone books, kids. You'll you'll I remember phone books. You'll you'll see those uh, if you look. Uh, you Google <laughs> just Google phone books, and you'll see pictures of books that had people's numbers in them. Uh, people haven't we haven't had those for quite quite a while. Or New York City? Do people still? the new york city phone book it's like this it used to be they used to deliver a phone book and it was like the size of a buick for new york city it was just giant book with names and numbers i've never
1: seen one in new york
0: yeah so you you haven't been here that long but but yeah it was a thing back in the day look it up you'll see but anyway we're going to wrap up shortly so if people out here on the interwebs uh or where they see this if they want to find out more about you more about ask for jane Uh, Where can they find you all on the web?
1: So the movie is askforjane.com. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's askforjane is the handle. And I am also on Instagram. I don't really do the Facebook thing, but I think I have a fan page it mostly just posts from instagram
0: created by your fans no <laughs> doubt.
1: um which is kate cortleo um or com, and jason can spell it or i can uh, <laughs> uh, it's
0: uh you'll you'll find it on the title of this um uh, but uh thanks so much for coming if there's any follow up that you guys want to do or if you have another project feel free to come back because i i love talking about this stuff and i also tell people i've had a lot of uh, women filmmakers on the show and you know i don't know if if like usually filmmaking shows are a little bit of a boys club and I always tell tell the guys out there who are listening this, like, listen to the women, they're getting it done. They're doing good things and these can actually be good movies too. Like (laughs) just because it's just because it's about you know feminist messages whatever it doesn't matter it's a good movie go see it and and hopefully it'll help you learn how to make movies but thank you for coming and thank you all out there for taking this trip down the rabbit hole for more episodes of this show you can find them on our website no rest of the you can also subscribe on all the major podcast channels and now we have a patreon so you go to patreon.com slash no rest of the weekend uh once again just want to give a quick thank you to kate courtleo uh who i learned how to pronounce her name today which <laughs> is great for buying the rabbit productions i'm jason godby